Hello, this is the Comedians Outlook podcast. I'm Lee Cantony, and this week I'm joined by fellow comedian Paul Kerr. He started doing comedy about four years ago and has had the bug for it ever since. We really do go into the depths of how we construct stand-up material, how we create it, and how we die on stage, how we recover from those things. I really hope you enjoy this conversation. What made you go into comedy? Because often I speak to a lot of comedians that had struggled with something in their life was pretty shit. Mm. Or they struggled with something at school or they had a, a fucked up upbringing or something like that. Like the, the parents did something weird that made them have to see the funny side of life. I just wondered what what oppression or struggles you found in growing up. None. 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 <laughs> I can't think of... That's the thing. I do talk to comedians a lot who they seem to bring up you would meet them for the first 15 minutes after a gig and they seem to bring up like a, a dark childhood trauma. Yeah. And I just don't have that. The only thing I do have is that my family growing up just love pissing about and telling jokes and oh, stories. Okay. okay. And it's just, it's been like a staple. Of, so you've just been, you've just been surrounded by funny people all your life. Just people trying to be funny. Yeah. Like, not, I mean, coming from a big Irish family, the storytelling was always there. So oh, yeah. there's always a, uh, someone winding you up or putting you know a sort of an act on almost that they they were in this situation when they're just telling a normal joke from a first person perspective and yeah, yeah it was always that was always the case but in terms of childhood trauma i mean there's the usual stuff but nothing too nothing like i'm sort of i need to get back at the world or i need to find the funny side of it you know <laughs> no, what i mean no <laughs> so, you know it's fine that's fine yeah. that's, that's that's equally as equally valid i mean do were you always the funniest in your in your surroundings? No. No. No way. That's very rarely the case with the comedians. They're often not the funniest in their social circles. But I think because we're quite closed off people. Because to be able to stand up on a stage and be funny, you can't, you can't keep that up off stage all the time. And the funniest people I knew at school would be absolutely terrified of the thought of doing stand-up. Yeah. Because for them it was just, that's just who they were. Whereas I think being the class of, clown was being the thing the, they wanted to be, being yeah. the class clown, or just like little idiosyncrasies that people have at school, like you know the people that would make you laugh, they're not necessarily the funniest people who'd be on stage. But for me, they were the people that would make me laugh. Yeah, like, the the annoying thing is often the things I do say amongst like either colleagues or friends and stuff that are really funny. I have absolutely no way of converting that to material. <laughs> on. Like I made them laugh, but there's no way that that's going to work on stage. I, I don't know how to turn that into something. Is it so, well? What are they look at sort of in jokes. Well, yeah, just stuff like that, or just just stuff that you say off the cuff. Yeah. That without the without the context or without that build up it yeah. would just fall flat on stage it's like can you guys come on stage with me while, yeah. while we reenact that scenario yeah quickly film it like, yeah, yeah film it and I'll post it can but... someone write that down no I've had I've, I've had a few of those recently where you kind of something's happened and I'm like right I need to write that down because that could be a bit and you toss and toil over it for about 20 minutes 30 minutes and I'm like actually that was just a, a one-off like it was yeah. just an in the moment thing you could try and reference it in a bit but yeah there's finding material from talking to like funny friends is often doomed to fail because a lot of it is spontaneity and in jokes and yeah, yeah. references to previous stuff that just a cold audience in a town you've ever been to just won't understand but yeah. i think the real skill is trying to convert that potentially into like yeah exactly yeah i mean that's why being a writer in general though like i do stand up comedy because it's an easy way of trying out ideas mm. and thoughts while writing you know and just seeing if it's funny on, on yeah. stage but a lot of the other times I'm writing you know bits to sitcoms or a sketch something yeah. happens and it'd make a great sketch but yeah. it would be terrible on stage yeah um, as a, as a stand up comedian so 
I guess diversifying a little bit allows you to always be creative in some way. It might not work for stand-up, but you know that one day things might start linking together and you've got like a killer sitcom in your hands. You know? Well, that's it, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, mean, you, I imagine you write as well, aside from just stand-up. Like. I do, yeah, I have done writing before. I did a lot of writing at university, so we did, I was in a, uh, like the comedy society there. Okay. Um, so, the Birmingham Footnotes, if you've ever heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> nice play on the Cambridge Footlights. Um, yeah. But we, so we would do like weekly meetings and that was in my final year. Um, so it was my fourth year at uni so I only just started doing it my final year and I went along and it was like all first year drama students who'd be like encouraged to go and I was like a fourth year philosophy student and they were like what the hell are you doing here <laughs> don't you have a dissertation I'm like I have some other ideas as well so that was always fun being able to write because that, that whole thing was write anything and bring it and we'll talk about it and that was a really nice environment just to have like 20 yeah, people yeah bounce off other people's ideas and stuff exactly yeah. and they can you know you'll go around read someone's like I don't know three four page script and then comment on it or somebody's got a joke sort of a, a, a bit idea for their stand up so that was brilliant in terms of like just getting regular writing going and I remember I wrote a sketch for a um, it was World Book Day or it was World Book Week and the university were putting on a sketch show for, to celebrate English literature so they wanted sketches about English literature so I wrote um, a sketch about uh, George Orwell's Animal Farm okay yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and uh, while I I like, had no intention of it being picked up at all because there were people who'd been there for three four years and they picked it up and they actually performed it and being able oh, wow. to watch other people perform something that you'd written in your bedroom in their, in their interpretation and everything exactly oh, yeah. they did they changed bits of it which I was a bit annoyed about but as soon as I saw it I was like oh that works perfectly but the general idea of it was there and as soon as that happened because I've been doing stand-up for a few years previous to that right okay. as soon as that happened I was like I kind of like this being able to sit back and watch my material be performed rather than the one being like how the hell am I going to perform this like having people take it away work on it act it out rehearse it and then actually perform it so that was always cool being able to like you say diversify your writing rather than just writing for yourself you've got to keep that creative process out that outlet mm. I mean I spoke to Kitty Harvey a few a few weeks back mm. and she if she sees something that makes her laugh she'll instantly post it on Facebook <laughs> right? or, or on Twitter or yeah. you know or on Instagram whereas for me that that's already ruined a bit of my creative process like I feel like I've put it out there and it's then gone yeah like, that's as far as it's going to go and you can't build it past that I, I don't think so she's obviously done it and it works for her yeah. but for me like I, I just the first note I make like on my notes on my phone mm. and then go home the next day or, or, or that same night and then write for half an hour and just get like uh, 10 minutes out of it or 5 minutes out of it that is the bit I love the most when it's an organic sort of spark yeah. And then, yeah, taking it back and then... Because you'll have an idea at the time of where you want it to go, but coming back to it that evening or the yeah. next day, perhaps, is like you have a completely different perspective and you'll start seeing links between other bits you have that you yeah. can maybe bring in. And it's like being able to sort of um, basically build... Your, there's no... That's the thing, like writing a stand-up set from, from my personal experience of it. I started when I first started I just wrote some funny stories that I knew I had mm. and then I was like right, I actually want to talk about stuff outside of that I still talk about those stories because they, they work but yeah, yeah. there's a lot of stuff that I've sort of found just you know day to day or whatever or talking to people or just an idea something's happened and you kind of play the idea through to its bitter end and it's that kind of that fun of doing it and it, 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 I have you know books and books of stuff that I've written but 
I'm not ready to use it yet because I'm still working on it. I'm still yeah, trying yeah. to find, and it's just taking it that extra step with an idea and flipping on its head. That's always quite fun, and that's it's more fun just sitting there writing it. Sometimes the the pressure of a gig almost can take away from it because you're like, I need to actually get something together and get a material, but just sitting there and actually getting it out on paper and r- yeah, working yeah. an idea through, making yourself laugh is actually. It may be the point that eventually you'll never look look at that piece of paper again, and that. Mm. You know that that's done, but the fact that you've written it down and you've done that—that's that's the end of that part of the process. And then when you start doing it on stage, eventually you'll never have to look at those notes again because yeah. you'll have that down to a T anyway. So and then it starts to morph in a different way because you have other people's perspective on it. Yeah. So a joke that can make perfect sense to me can go on an absolutely full flat on its ass because it's just been completely missed by an audience who go, you know what, that doesn't actually make sense, and I'll go you know what, you're probably right, because that yeah. was a contextual thing that you needed to hear whilst I heard that particular funny thing. Yeah, and thing. I, I can't be bothered to then to then go through that explanation. Of it. <laughs> so it'd, take, it'd take me my five-minute set, ten-minute set to explain it to you before I can actually get to the punchline. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, 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 love, I love writing. I mean, I, I still enjoy all the other side of writing and stuff, but it's a lot easier to, to sit at home and write yourself do you write do you ever write just for yourself rather than to to, with the express intention of it being funny and being able to use on stage it's like just working through something not like you know like a journal almost i do uh, yeah i write serious blogs but under a different name i don't do it under comedy okay i could try and keep the two two separate things don't want to muddy the water (laughs) (laughs) we've Um, caught you yeah i've been i've been found out brilliant Um, (laughs) it's great yeah, I mean, I, I, I do, I do do bits. I mean, to be honest with you, like I'm quite a sentimental person, so mm. I will actually find sometimes like music will like things like Ludovico Arnaudi, the the musician, the the pianist mm. that does stuff. Um, his stuff just just gets me every time I listen to it, mm. and I can write for hours on end just listen to his stuff mm. all about like a tragedy or yeah. a tragic thing. Yeah. Whereas I to be to be in a humorous mood is quite difficult to then. I think it's fine. I find it very easy to then get myself into like a, it's like a down, sort of mentality to write something very serious or something very deep. Yeah. But to be laughing all the way through something that you're working through over and over again, which by the time you've got to the end of your writing, it's not that funny anymore. Yeah, exactly. But you still you have to trust the fact that it it was really funny the first time you thought of it. So it's going to be really funny. There's got to be there's got to be that hidden nugget almost yeah. somewhere that you've got to unearth. Like, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. And also I think like, cause I've started doing it. I used to, I started a, sort of writing a journal when I was, um, I did a year abroad at uni and I was yeah. like, it'd be nice to just document this as day to day. Cause I'm not going to remember everything. And it naturally, I just wanted to write it funny mm. and it was writing in longhand. Whereas before I've been taught, all right, have an idea and then work off different bits you could go from like almost like a mind map sort of style of writing comedy and then as soon as i started this just keeping like a daily log of what was going on yeah i'd pick up on things that had happened that i thought were funny just note them in and i've recently moved house and i've unearthed all these books and i've been finding them and reading through them yeah and yeah. it's like the, the stuff i'm just throwing ideas in and it's just it was so much it's so much less painful than actually sitting there and going right i have to write some material yeah, yeah, now yeah. And it's almost like a set, and it, it's really interesting. Just almost putting that to one side and being like, "Don't worry about being funny. Just write down what you're thinking at this point in time." And it just naturally and find the funny as you do it. Find the funny as you do yeah. it. Like you know, I'll be writing. I, I and from that, I just keep on doing it. I don't write every, all day, every day, or no. you know, every night. 
but now and again I'll just top it up with stuff that's been going on and it's nice to just kind of find what you're like sort of you just start writing and see where it goes and there's an idea that will come up and pop up and you think that's quite good actually you know like I don't know um, I'm trying to think of an example now I've completely gone blank <laughs> but it's it's they just kind of pop up in the middle of a paragraph when you're explaining something that's happened and maybe somebody says something funny at the time and you're like okay but that, why did they say that and then you take that and put it in your comedy book and start writing around it and then you've got like five minutes of stuff that you can talk yeah, yeah. around because it's been about a subject but it's been it's been sort of it's come out naturally when you've been just explaining it almost everything everything I think pretty much I mean I agree with um, people like um Ricky Gervais, there's no subject you can't talk you can't talk about or joke yeah. about. I, I think you can joke about anything. Mm. I think you just have to be clever about what you joke about. Um, or the way you joke. Or about the way, it. yeah, exactly. The way you construct it around there and the, the jokes surrounding whatever you're doing. So, I mean, I do I do dark stuff about like bipolar. Yeah. I was sectioned once for trying to g up people. Right. <laughs> so I, I went through this whole phase of like this positivity thing, like this law of attraction thing, where I was yeah. like, uh, be the change you want to see in the world and all that. Oh and yeah, yeah. I went on like a, I went yes, on this man. trek kind of like pilgrimage thing, trying to rally people up to get to get to get up and yeah. to get to get positive about their life and, and inspiring people. Yeah. Right. And the Brits hate that. The Brits hate the, <laughs> the minute the minute someone's happy and, 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 and like shut him down. Yeah, shut him down. And, <laughs> and like a day like half a day into like me starting this pilgrimage, like it was out in Barry St Edmunds and I was I was sectioned under the mental health act. Are you because, kidding? Because someone called the police. <laughs> you have to be mentally ill to be that happy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I I got I got taken to a safe location, and I spent two days sectioned, and I was so high that I was too high to be sectioned. They I they, I got in there. They've got everyone balanced. Yeah, balanced everyone out. They got them all down from their like their manic stage. Right, and well, these are the people to... you'd rallied up previously. No, no, <laughs> Your maybe, followers, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. I was like a messiah, the but... messiah in Barry St Edmunds. That's what I was, and <laughs> and anyway, they had to just charge me because I was too manic. I, I upset the balance in in the in, in the mental institute because oh everyone was because uh, from getting them all down from their mania, yeah, I've gone in there and lifted them, <laughs> um, which meant they released me into the care of my parents because I was I was only there for two days. So even I was too manic to be to be sectioned to be sectioned. Yeah, I mean that's quite a story. Yeah. So, but, but it's almost like that's that's a nice way for you to then yeah move into those touchier topics. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. you've really laid a base. Like, yeah. it doesn't could, it doesn't work MCing by the way? I've tried it MCing. Really doesn't work. I mean that's the thing though. MCs, you've got to be the 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 kind of the neutral force, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. You've got to be that kind of yeah. palate cleanser for everyone in between. I mean, I, I I agree with MC. I think any comedian that wants to get a stage presence and experience and all that sort of stuff, MC is fantastic. Mm. But for me, like I've said this on the podcast before, for me, like doing MC is is taking me away from what I'm passionate about. Mm. So it it means that I'm not then working on my set. That yeah, I want to get good and want to want to develop. Yeah, and and that uh, I feel like I'm cheating myself, and I should actually be spending time on my set rather than I think there's a lot to be gained from MC and because your set regardless of of you know whether you you're sort of doing a set or not the audience are going to have a sort of a participation in a show and part of even if you are doing a 10 minute set and say for example you start doing like you know 20 30 minute mm. sets there'll be times when the audience need picking up and having those ability, having that ability to do, to sort of to bring the, to, to, yeah, yeah, to just sort of maybe bring the audience back in like you would do as an MC, I think mm. is all positive, but I get exactly, I do 
understand what you're saying because recently I've been doing quite a bit of emceeing yeah yeah and then coming out of that and trying to do 10 minutes I can't remember the rhythm of my material because mm. it's been so sporadic and I'll try and do material quote unquote and in whilst I'm emceeing and the audience are chit-chatting they're getting a drink they're going to the toilet or somebody's turned around to pick you know and it's there's or somebody feels more comfortable to shout up because you're you're the MC. it's fine mm. And then you kind of break away from your material and go and address that. So there's like a pot, there's like a, a yin and a yang to it almost. There's like, mm. there's a part of you that thinks, God, I'm not actually practicing my material at all. But what you are doing is you're learning how to survive on stage just generally, like just how to, you know, react to yeah, audience yeah. interaction, keep yeah. the energy up yeah. as well. Le- learning how to read a room. Like a lot of MCs will go up and they'll do bits in between every act. And that can almost be detrimental, I think, to mm. the night because you have an act who kills you want to keep that momentum going, get someone else on, just get yeah, them on yeah, yeah. rather than, all right, now I'm going to do some of my material again. And it's like that it can work, but in certain circumstances, and that's the thing then when I found now going on stage doing 10 minutes, I'm so much more relaxed because I don't need to worry about how the audience is going to be. Cause if it starts to die down a bit, I know I have yeah, stuff yeah. in my arsenal yeah. that I know that I have done before where I can mm. go, you know what? I'm just going to talk to someone or I'm going to pick up on something or comment on my own material because that's what I've been doing as emceeing because they're not giving you 10 minutes to do your material. You're there to keep it light, keep it friendly. And you try to do your material and sometimes it doesn't work and you've just got to work around that. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think it's been really, it's been nice doing it for consecutive gigs. Mm. But I do want to get back into, because I'm trying to write a bit, basically a new slate, trying to, you know, oh, okay, yeah, just get rid of Because I've been doing a lot of stuff for four years now, a lot of jokes. Mm. And they've changed and morphed over the years, but the, the central elements are there and I just don't get excited as I used to. Yeah, about it. Yeah, um, it's important to go through the process, though. I mean, and you'll find if you start getting a bit of exposure with it, that you will be doing that stuff you've been doing for four years because mm. you know it's dynamite. And yeah, you know that you're good at it, yeah. and so it's important to have that. People like Russell Howard, when they first broke onto the scene, he he did the same. He did the same material in everywhere he went. So whether it was on things like Hey, that Ten Cats, any of the panel shows, would I lie to you? When he did his own Good News stuff. And then he did his own set. Then he did Live at the Apollo. And then he did the Comedy Store. All of that sort of stuff. Hmm. He did the same stuff over and over again. Yeah. He, and by the time we'd done that, he was loved. But people were sick and tired of him because hmm. they'd heard the same set over and over again. And then you have to go and reinvent yourself and come back with something completely new. So it, it's important to do that. You'll find that um, Phil Wang has only just made it onto the scene. And wherever he is, he's got his stuff that he knows is good yeah and whether he's on a panel show whether he's doing like five minutes on live at the apollo mm. he will do the stuff that's worked in clubs for 10 years of because, course yeah because it's the way to do it it's, it's it, it is it is the way to do it but and as a writer you love that fresh thing that it's nice to be it's almost doing like stuff yeah it's almost like the process of getting to and i never feel i've finished a bit and i don't think that's a natural thing to feel anyway i don't think a no. finish like a, a, a two three minute bit about a subject like there can always be stuff added in but you can get to a point where you're comfortable like okay i like this now i like how it flows how it bounces mm. so once i get to that it then loses the sort of the the pang the elasticity yeah. of when i was first doing it and i will always bring back that stuff because like i say they were you know it's, it's good material that i was i've done since my first gig really mm. so jokes in my i did in my first ever gig that i will still do to this day because but they've just been morphed and I've, I've developed and the way I yeah. say it will develop. But the story is the exactly the same thing. Yeah. So that doesn't, 
I, I'm fully behind the fact that I will end up doing this stuff again. And that's like you say, that's the part and parcel of it. Like it's quite funny. People always ask like when they find out I do stand up, they're like, do you do the same stuff every time? And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like if I had to write a new set for every gig that oh, I had to do, yeah. there are people I know who do that and they're, they're Im- impressive comedians but you'll never be quite confident enough i don't think and that's like in that in that set yeah like, you've got to repeat it you've got to and, and I th- the, the part of the charm of it is working on it and yeah. and you're never going to get it bang on first time no nah. so yes of course i'm like I, I tell them like of course i i do the same stuff because it would just take too much manpower to sort of do that much writing constantly and make sure it's all good and there's stuff that you don't want to just do once and put to one side so it's you want to and then well, you need to while, get a gauge reaction as well didn't you you so need to gauge reaction I mean Martin was saying that here's this thing where try the same thing five times if it works three out of the five times then it's probably okay yeah um, I have two two is it <laughs> two yeah <laughs> <laughs> you, you're not that confident in yourself compared to what he is then you know what it is is because I just I'm, I'm not there to I don't know I just like if it doesn't work once I'm like give it another try yeah and it, it, it does depend on the audience but if it's if it's a similar audience and it still doesn't work or similar size audience for example yeah, yeah. or you know I'm like there's been a few things recently where I've given it two goes and then and then canned it because I was like you mm. know what I'm not even feeling this there's been stuff that I thought you know like I was saying earlier like you sort of you write it and you think it's hilarious and then when you go on stage and you do it and you find out it's not then what do you do with that do you then yeah. go back do you try it again do you try it again the same way mm. or do you rewrite it and I just go you know what if, it, if it's going to be funny it's going to be funny later on down the line I'm going to pick it up and maybe go you know what I'll keep it and I'll remember about it but I'm not going to try and flog yeah. a dead horse almost I mean bringing it back to like you're saying um, doing like the MC and stuff and and um, knowing that, that that's helped you get stuff that when you need to get the energy back up yeah in a room when you're you know you're doing a, a longer set well, I guess having the stuff that has been working for the four years is really good to have in the back because you know if the, if something does go flat, exactly, if something new goes flat, you've got that to fall back on, and you and you can take a different turn in in your set if you need to. Yeah, you're like the the I don't know what you call it, but it's yeah, they're sort of they're there to and as well, a lot of the time you've working on it for for a while you kind of there's a lot of elements that are related to that material so for example if I were to do oh, okay. stuff about my stepdad now I've talked about there's one sort of central story there but around it a lot of different aspects and finding the segue into it isn't as hard as it once was okay. so if someone has done something previously uh, on stage and then I go up after them I can then bring that stuff out and I know it works it's not new stuff that I'm not kind of scared about doing yeah yeah you know um so it's nice to have that definitely and you can just it, it's fun especially i'm seeing you start it in different ways to how you'd normally start it yeah, like course, i don't know how yeah. about you but starting a bit or starting a joke or i'm like i want to talk about this like the new bit i've got about vaping i was like how do i get into this and i was like thinking through like i could just say i don't like vaping or whatever because that's the, the gist of it but then i was like okay right there's got to be some other way to do it and I think somebody at a gig, um, there was they did stuff about being twenty four. I think it was, and I just turned twenty five at the time. Right. So I then went up and basically they were really happy about being twenty four still and being quite young. And I was like, I hate it. I'm twenty five. I'm I'm sick of it. Like I've been on this earth for a quarter of a century. You know. <laughs> I was like, I'm sick of people. 
especially vapors. And it was like, then I was like, okay, right. So there's a different way to do it. And I'm seeing that there's been a few bits where I've sort of thought of the, the stuff I could do or the material I could say and started it completely differently from how I started it when I first wrote it yeah. and was performing it in my set. And it's nice because then you kind of, you've come at it from a different angle or a different energy or a different yeah, yeah, attitude. Yeah. And that's something that the audience are picking up on because then I'm kind of riled up with it rather than doing it the same way that I've done it over and over again. If someone walks out the room and you can say, oh, I bet they've gone to go and vape then. Oh, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You really, And it's nice. And it's like that. You say it's ready. It's there ready to go. Yeah. You just need something to trigger it. And then you said that, oh, I fucking hate vaping. Mm. Yeah. You, you fuck off and vape and come back and I'll tell you the story. Exactly. Exactly. But that was, I mean, I did um, uh, Best Medicine over in Cambridge, oh, yeah. Joe Tennant's, so the mm. panel show. And we were sort of it was I didn't really know what to expect from it because I've, I've you know you're on stage for 10 minutes we were on stage for an hour collectively just as a panel mm. and he's throwing questions at you but they are kind of geared towards stuff that you know he knows you can talk about so we were kind of you know sorry to give the secret out there but I mean that's how <laughs> panel shows work you've exposed him I've exposed the, the, the panel show lie <laughs> um, and the it was fun just throwing just him asking you a question about stuff you knew you could talk about and just having to go with it and sort of making it seem natural that was really fun because that's something i've not done before where yeah, yeah. you've been invited to talk about a subject that you know you can talk about so it's kind of like how do i go into this without making it seem like i've thought about it and that was a fun little exercise like kind of like you say being spontaneous on stage mm. you kind of know that you can go into this material in a various different ways like there's avenues to do it i mean i'd really love to get to the point where i can um literally just get on stage with a couple of notes in my head mm. like don't know just words in my head mm. and just then riff off that and do a whole set just like that but it looks like the big comedians do that but they haven't they've done a thousand gigs prior to yeah. that film you know they're prior to filming it so it, it's almost impossible I think it was that. I think it was Steve Martin who uh, in his uh, one of his I think Born Standing Up it's about his whole entire stand up career and he said like writing will start you'll write a joke and it'll start as a page worth of notes and yeah. essentially when you've got the joke it'll be about a line or two yeah, lines yeah. and it's just getting through that and like you say you want the one note the one thing to sort of trigger that yeah, yeah. bit but that one note will have started as two, three pages of writing stuff exactly, out. Yeah, yeah. And then you've worked on that material, you've remembered it, but then you've become confident with it. And mm. then you can start talking around it even before you've mentioned the topic that you're talking about, whatever yeah. it may be. You've kind of, you talk to the audience, you've brought in something that's happened over there, but then you bring it around to this and then you kind of maybe look at your hand on your notes and you go, right, I don't know, um, palm trees. That's the bit I've got to do. And you remember that and then that takes you into the whole thing. So that having that, that sort of uh, flexibility on stage, I think. And also audiences can definitely pick up on when there's a spontaneity to it, but they know that you've known the material. Like if somebody, if you go up there with just those notes and it's all new material, like the, you know, one word for each new yeah, bit, yeah. you're going to really struggle because you don't know where you're going to be going with this, where you should be yeah, going with you this. Miss the, you miss the segues and stuff. The segues or the relevant or the information. Yeah. Or the punchlines or the, you know, anything like that. So I think it's, the, getting to that stage where you can have the four words that yeah. just define your 10 minute set you need to really plow on through it so that's probably why they they can do like proper you know professional comedians can do that is they just they'll just have that material from years and years ago that they've worked and worked yeah, on yeah. and they know that 
whatever it is that one word can trigger a 20 minute bit basically yeah i think what they often do is they they will write a set like right there two hours or whatever then go and try it in unknown places like small comedy clubs like mm. where there's 50 people sell tickets for that yeah get a couple of support acts on to do it and then just do like a thousand of them before they take it on a big arena tour or whatever yeah and then by the time they've got to the arena tour all the shit bits are out because they've they've already fallen flat everywhere else and they you know they know for a fact that they're, that's fine that's the, and by the time they get to this, this, the, the time that they're going to film it it's bulletproof it's because, bulletproof yeah, yeah. They've so. done it. They've done it so many times. They know it yeah. so well. You'd never have heard of that. It, it looks like it's the first time they've ever done it. When they, when you, when you film it, it just looks yeah. like they've done one gig this year and it's that one. I think that's that's such a cool trait to have. Just what when you see someone and it looks like the first time they've done yeah. it, and they don't, and you're taught some after perhaps, and they're like, oh no, that's bit's been. You know, I wasn't riffing. I've done that bit yeah. before, but making it look like it's spontaneous. Yeah, it's quite. A, I think it's quite difficult to do. Yeah, definitely. Have you have you ever done much? pun writing or one-liners uh i've tried i'm not i'm not great at it i don't i say that's probably disingenuous i'm, I'm all right at it but i just i find i like talking too much okay. <laughs> yeah. so i'll come up with a one-liner i remember i read this uh sort of how to do stand-up book when mm. i first started and there was an exercise in it to get your creative juices flowing that you write a positive and a negative in a one sentence okay. so i really like flowers or I really want a red car one day or something, or like a fast red car, sports car. And you leave the second half of the sentence to the next day. So you pick it up and then oh, okay. you have to write the negative. Like, I really like flowers because um, they remind me of my dead grandma or whatever. Like something, oh, okay. you know, does, I mean, they're not all funny <laughs> as no, that no. one obviously wasn't. But it's, it's <laughs> that sort of, you're just playing with, you know, flipping an idea in its head. And I try, I did that for quite a while. And I was like, I really like doing this because you're coming up with very quick, punchy stuff. But what I would do is I'd take that and then go, well, where can we go with this? Let's have a bit more fun with it. Yeah, have I got a story about my grandma? Yeah, yeah. How did she die? Like, you know, something funny like around that. Exactly. Like I've always tried one-liners and puns, but I don't think they're, they're not really... Because a lot, a, lot, a lot of comedians start like that because they think that that's what comedy is. And then often people like Jason Stamp, uh, Martin was telling me that when he first started out, he, he does um big deal. He mm. does a no Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's, when he started out, he did loads of one-liners and yeah. lots of punchy stuff and puns and stuff and now he gets on stage and he's generally telling stories so mm. he's, he's he's cut that out of his his comedy almost completely and mm. he said it was just part of him going through that process in the first year he did all of that and then he got confident on stage and then felt, felt like he could start then telling stories and developing yeah. the ideas and being a bit more intelligent with with such things I mean it's well I, it's it's sort of like we're doing a disservice to one line of comics because it, it's such a I feel it's such a marmite way of doing comedy and it's highly skilled as well I mean yeah. people like Chris Norton Walker who's exactly. brilliant at doing it and yeah. and he's someone that I you know if there's any at any point in your gig if you need to get the energy back up get that because <laughs> even if he doesn't even if he doesn't land his one liners he'll get the energy back up just because he's got that he does thing about him but he, he's great he's a great one liner writer I just don't think I'm good enough at that i i don't i don't work in the i don't work backwards in that sense it is i think it is like you're right it's a lot of working backwards yeah. and like especially with the you know trying to 
because the essentials of a, a joke are the the sort of the leap to something you didn't expect and that's the punchline yeah so being able to just write that very concisely in a one line i'm very like a contradiction a contradiction yeah. yeah is it's impressive to me because i i start writing a sentence to be a one-liner and i'll just end up writing a paragraph and i'm like well this is going where it's going like you know this isn't a one-liner anymore but i'm i'm trying to work through an idea here yeah. so it's always i've tried to do it and i do it to an extent like i'll have one-liners but they're kind of thrown in with something you know what i mean yeah yeah i mean you're one of the ones you always pick up on is if you're after granny smith then then you'll do a bit of jokes about about her being your nan or something you know and that's yeah <laughs> that can only be after her set you can't just go on there yeah i can't have a come with me to every <laughs> gig okay yeah it just wouldn't make sense i found that um a nessie obviously does granny smith she mentioned this to me which i hadn't picked up on but apparently I make quite a lot of references when I go on stage to the room that I'm in. Mm. And I always found it's, it's kind of, it's a nice crutch that I find just to get, get in, get a joke in immediately when you're on stage. Because there's nothing more than I think I did that to you actually, when you were talking about wanking, living alone (laughs) and wanking. I just went on and did the cranking one. That was it. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) You just follow on from that. I like keeping it, yeah, yeah, keeping it spontaneous, but like. And I can't do that. I can't do that. Um, That joke anywhere else until, unless I'm (laughs) wanking. But no, I mean, it's, it's true. Like the, just being able to, but that's, that's one thing that, sort of is it's quite nice to be able to do is just pick up something organically in the room that's happened yeah, yeah. someone said or the way the room looks or even i did a gig in ipswich and all the women oh, yeah. in this pub were on one side of the room and all the men were on one oh, side. really it just happened to be the case like that and it was just interesting to sort of see that and then kind of go on stage and mention it and they they found it hilarious and i was like it's quite nice being able to just pick up something from the room and do it so i've kept on doing it yeah yeah and yeah. like the granny smith thing i'll just I, I like doing that rather than just kind of going hey how are we tonight do you ever do you ever if you're there at a gig for quite a while do you ever get annoyed when like some, someone's doing something and you you know you've got like tons on that you've got loads of good jokes <laughs> on that but then you're not actually you're like two or three acts after it so by the time you get to like your set it's probably not relevant anymore and it's probably not gonna work but i've had that before but i'll do it anyway i'm just, I'm just like can I, can I get on now please because i've got some i could do five minutes on this can i just um, tag on to the end of this guy's yeah. stuff <laughs> yeah but. yeah i mean there's a it's it's tough because you don't you don't want to sort of tread on what they've done or seem like you're no. doing but it's really good for the room if if you play on those things and and audiences love it when when yeah. there's a link but even a link between acts is even good is even even just better. as good as yeah because they were like oh someone so mentioned earlier and you could have a completely different take on it that's mm. the thing i think you can still do the same material but it's when yeah they're doing very similar stuff so when did you first like decide you wanted to do comedy how, how young were you when you first sort of thought you could do this <laughs> i could do this i don't know i'm still working that <laughs> one out um i was 21 when i 21 i think i was 21 basically what possessed you to think that you could get on stage and make people laugh <laughs> <laughs> um i was so this was when i was uh, i was on a year abroad in hong kong for university yeah. and me and a few of the exchange students went to this open mic um down in the city center and there was it was i'd never been to an, anything like that before where anyone from the audience could just go up and do something yeah um i've been to comedy shows obviously but there was a very formal affair whereas this was kind of like put your name on the board at the beginning of the night and you can go on um and this guy went up um it was his first time and he wore a suit which was mm. i thought was hilarious <laughs> i was like your first time and he's proper suited up 
And he's going to have like a job interview or something. Basically, yeah. You know, he needs to make a good first impression. As if there's like a load of promoters in the audience. <laughs> he's just about to get signed up. Just yes. ready, waiting with their business cards. Like, yeah, yeah give me a call. Um, he did... Ten, he did five minutes on the new iPhone and it died. It completely. Oh, really? I've never ever seen someone look so uncomfortable in my entire life. You've been to a lot of gigs as well. I've been so. to a lot of gigs, and I. No, that's not even an exaggeration. This was the whole room was dead silent. It was just wow. horrible. And this guy was like the mic shaking, sweating, and he came off, and I just said out loud, "I think I can do better than that." And then my friend went, "Go on then," and I was. He basically they basically were like give it a go and I thought about this I was like ah, okay well, whatever I'm not going to do it but I was like actually I do want to give that a go I yeah. do want to see if I could do better than that I didn't think I would be hilarious but I was like I think I can do better than what that guy did Yeah, and it was just that the, comp- the competitive element of me being like well if he can go up and do it why can't I and I've always you know you kind of obviously you have to think that you're generally quite funny to even yeah. try stand up so, it, was really, it was really nice for you to come to my first gig, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say anything, you know. Yeah. When, uh, when I walked here today, I was like, shit, it's him. <laughs> but no, yeah, see, how's the iPhone material going? Is it going all right? <laughs> oh, no, I've never done a synth, mate. I've got a Samsung instead now. <laughs> He's completely changed. Yeah. Just mix the names around. That's all you've done. And yeah. it works now. Yeah, it works, yeah. Samsung's works, are funny. Yeah. iPhones aren't funny. Yeah. That's exactly. basically it. That's it. <laughs> but yeah. And then the next week went along did about three four minutes um and the first two and a half minutes were dead silent like really? and i was like fuck what have i done like here I'm we just, go I'm, just, I'm starting off worse than this guy <laughs> exactly like you know i'm there going oh i think i can actually i, I reckon i could write funny stuff than that just write some stuff down go up two and a half minutes dead silence and i'm yeah. like this is what it feels like like this is i deserve this you know the, what i mean the chest is tightening yeah yes. yeah yeah everything everything tingles on your forehead it, it yeah, was it was awful feeling. It's and it's as well the feeling because I, I knew I, you obviously get stage fright at school and you've got to do a speech or something mm. like that. But this was different because in a speech at school they've just got to listen. Whereas here I've got to actually make them laugh. You've got to get a gauge of reaction. You've I've got, got to get a reaction. Yeah. Exactly. And it's weird when you write a joke and you write a punchline and you say it out loud for the first time in front of an audience and you don't get a laugh it feels like when you miss the step at the bottom of the stairs that's what I've always said it's like you kind of you almost fall on yourself because you go da-da da-da da-da-da and then it's completely silent that's my first joke where do I go from here yeah basically it's 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 so it really threw me because I was like do I just keep talking or do I have to now start from the beginning? Or it was so bizarre. And I remember being like, just keep going, keep going. You've only got three, four minutes. And the ending is a story. I told this, I started telling this story, started getting a few tittery sort of laughs. And I was like, okay, that's my, that's my work. Basically told the whole story. And this, in essence, it's just a lot of describing and there's not much, there's not many jokes in it, Yeah, yeah. but it was holding everyone's attention. And it was, I was like, right, okay, they're actually, they're listening quite intently here, like looking around the room, no one was talking, they were all listening, I was like, okay, this could be good, just make sure you deliver on the punchline, said the punchline, I got like a room laugh, like a, a big room laugh, yeah. laugh, and that was, I was like, okay, this is quite fun actually, Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I was like, I've actually managed to build up enough tension to then get the joke out, or, you know, and it was, that was the first gig that was my first ever gig and the funny thing was at that gig was the guy who I'd seen the last week in oh, really? the suit he came up to me and said like really well done for a first time and I said to him I was like oh, I was really struggling with the um, uh, when I wasn't getting any laughs like 
um, you know, it was, it was tough. And he said, well, you saw me last week. Like, it was tough. But he said, I, lo- I absolutely loved it. I enjoyed every second of it. And I was mm. like, it's something that you know when you're going to really enjoy something, when, even when it goes bad, you're like, I still had great fun because yeah. you were trying it out. And this guy, I just thought, as soon as I saw him the week before dying on stage, I was like, he's never going to pick up a, a, you know, a book again to write a joke or go on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was convinced in my mind, like, well, he's never going to do that again. And then he was like, no, I'm doing it next week. And I was like, what? What? Okay. So you, it's one of those things. You just, everyone has to start somewhere. And I was just completely naive to the whole sort of uh, the, the whole scene really and, and what it is to do stand up and be a comedian because yeah. it just seems so far away because all you see is people on TV but then doing that one gig and I was like okay I want to come back next week or I actually did a few months I took a few months off it and then went back to it yeah yeah, yeah. but um, yeah. yeah that was how I first got started which was interesting because it was in Hong Kong they all speak English but the audience was very mixed between sort of local Hong, uh, Hong Kongers or um, sort of expats and there were Chinese comedians who would go on um, and, and sort of do um, stand-up in Cantonese yeah, yeah. or Mandarin. So it was a really kind of fun environment. It's a pretty strange to, place to do your first gig. Like, there's, yeah, the scene, there's, no, there's a few clubs. There's, um, there's, a, there's one sort of established club in the city centre and then they have uh, like a big arena comedians come, um, you know, who may be doing world tours around Australia or whatever. They'll sort of stop off in Singapore or Hong Kong. Yeah, But there were a few nights and a lot of you know like sort of sketch comedy as well there are a few guys out there who I met who really helped me to to get into it because this was just something like you know I was on my year abroad I just wanted to try new things I thought I'd try stand up and then people go no you need to come back and I was like what do you mean <laughs> like no you need to come back and it's now whenever I meet someone who's done their first gig I'm like you need to come back and it's yeah, just that thing you absolutely. want them to keep doing yeah, it yeah, yeah. and it was nice having people wanting me to keep coming back yeah, and yeah. doing it and I ended up sort of having a really good time doing stand-up out there. And mm. as soon as I came back, that was when I joined Comedy Society of Birmingham. And it was just like... Kept on doing it. Yeah. And so while we're on the subject, I mean, what's the worst gig you've ever done? What's the time you got off it and you really, really questioned yourself? I mean, I've had gigs where I've come off and been like... I've never... I don't think I've had a gig where I've come off and been like, I, should, I don't know if I'm going to do this anymore. But there's definitely been gigs where I'm like, what the hell was I thinking there? Like trying to do normal material in this room or, you know, the worst gig, uh, just off the top of my head, the worst gig I've had was in a, uh, and a few other Cambridge comedians were there, like Dan Farmer, Ali Warwood, yeah. Chris Norton Walker was there. Um, we were in a pub in March, in, just outside yeah, Peterborough. Yeah. And so Dan ran a night in March that did really well. It was a um, sort of a this, like, sort of working man's club, but that had a good little sort of vibe to it. Then he started, uh, we tried to get one going at this pub in March and I don't think they'd actually explain to anyone that there was going to be comedy on. Right. So we turn up and the, the layout of the room to start with is this big, long sort of um, bar no chairs in the middle because it would have been a fire hazard apparently oh really so there's no chairs in front of the mic they're oh, all around the side of the building uh, side of the, the room and then the bar which is sort of maybe sort of eight meters sort of from the stage yeah everyone stood at the bar no one's up near us watching us do stand up and before we went on it was um i think it was like red nose day and there was a charity singathon that had their fine they were doing 24 hours of continuous singing and it was their final hour they were doing at this pub so everyone packed this pub out to watch these this group of people come in. They were doing their last hour of songs and then that was it. And then they went and then we set up for a comedy night and it was kind of like, 
all right, we're here now. And everyone just basically left and went on a cigarette and no one was interested. <laughs> so then we had to go on and do stand up to basically what was eight meters of nobody. Yeah. And then people at the bar who didn't want to have stand up anyway. Yeah. And yeah, it yeah. was just, I remember, I think Ali went on quite early on and a guy came and sat on like a ledge by the wall right in front of her. Like right. just, just to be off putting basically. Oh, and God. I was like sat in the, the side wing, like where this, sort of, like, this little restaurant area. And I was like watching this happen going, what the hell am I going to do to get, to get anything out of this? Yeah. And it just became a joke in the night that we were like, this is like ridiculous. So I went on, um, first thing that happened, I grabbed the top of the mic and it broke in half the actual mic stand. Oh God. So that broke in half. So then I had to try and get that <laughs> back in whilst everyone was shouting, do you have trouble getting it in? Usually like slating me, oh, laying man. into me. I was like, I was just completely out of my depth from the start. And then I was wearing like a blue like linen shirt, and then somebody I think I made a joke about it, and someone shouted out that I was a posh twat, and then they threw their hat up on stage at me to wear, like threw their hat at me, and it was just three I think I did maybe three and a half minutes of the beginnings of my jokes before somebody would shout out something oh, really? just to stop you. They just did not want it to happen, but we all everyone went on, everyone did like the and Chris not on Walker actually headlined that and yeah, yeah. finished it and was just I mean just a testament to the guy like yeah. he actually got a bit of a feel of a comedy night going like just basically laying into them just like you know this is the situation I'm going to address it you know rather than <laughs> me being so inexperienced at the time like yeah, yeah. oh my god nobody's listening oh what do I do what do I do and that was I came away from that being like like physically exhausted just from like the sheer fear of it like yeah, I've yeah. Never had... I mean, he's a pro though isn't he he's um... oh he's brilliant absolutely yeah. brilliant but that, that was my probably my worst gig what's the last thing you do before you get on stage i like being able to just have my book in front of me and then my name gets called and i'm reading through my last bit i like to do that a lot so okay. literally having my jokes there and then as soon as they're like and now paul kerr and i'll just close my book and go because that always felt like a, it's almost like cramming for an exam. I used to do that a lot. Yeah. But now, last thing I do on stage, or before I go on stage, just take a moment to just breathe and relax. Because that walk to the stage, wherever you are, like whatever gig you're doing, yeah. you're walking through the middle of the room or you're walking around the, you know, it's almost like it's quite awkward because they're waiting for you to get on stage. So I always find like, just take a moment. Don't even worry about them. Just get there. Figure out what the first thing is you're going to say. That's probably the first. Do you tell thing. yourself that before you just before you get on. Yeah, I don't want to have to think about it while I'm up there. I want to have something there ready in case I get up and there's nothing there for me to say. I don't want to. I I do it a lot where you go up and then you'll be like, you know, oh, how are you guys doing? How's it all going? Whatever. Yeah. But having something, but trying to work out if there's something I can say right off the bat, just get in and get in there and say something. That's probably the last thing I'll do is I'll just try and work out. Right, what's the? Because f- I know what my first joke's going to be, but. I I don't feel comfortable just going straight into it. I, yeah. li- I like the idea of just kind of settling myself a bit, putting myself in perspective to other people or what's gone on before or, mm. you know, again, like what the room is like. You know, there's a lot of jokes you can make about a lot of these rooms because they're in odd places, you know. So that's, I think, before I go on, yeah, it's just think about what is it what is it that I can say. Do you adapt your set to where you're going? I mean, Bedford's oh, quite a, a difficult place, I imagine, to a gig but um there's not i've not actually done a gig in bedford yet yeah there's quite a good scene there there's good nights there's castle comedy which is more of a sort of a pro semi-pro night yeah which i'm yet to get on but there potentially is a night starting in bedford in april actually no it is starting in bedford in april at my friend's bar so bears and tails 
Okay. Um, I do a little bit of promo. Um, yeah, yeah so plug that. Yeah, plug that. He's um, he's going to be starting up a comedy night there, which will be sort of open, sort of like a relevant record style, where it'd be amateurs to semi pros sort of coming in. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that would be good fun. But in terms of adapting my material, I do like because I do like shitting on Bedford because it is an interesting middle town place. Like, you know, Cambridge is Cambridge. It's got all the history and you know prestige behind mm. it. Ely's a gorgeous place just even driving through now like the centre of Ely like an old historic town yeah yeah Bedford is just it's just in the middle <laughs> of it. it's just in the middle of England and yeah. it, it's 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 a nice place and it's got its quirks and I've grown to love it over the years I've been living around there I'd say 20 20 years now yeah so you've grown to love it um, but it was always fun and I always find that it's enough of a nothing place that if nobody knows it, they can kind of guess what it's like. So when I yeah. come on and say, yeah. you know, um, Bedford's the only place that primary school is optional or something, people <laughs> get the idea. They're like, okay, because I've never heard of it. It must be a small town. So I like always doing that. And it always goes down well in Cambridge because Cambridge just, they know of Bedford, but, you know, no one would ever go there. God forbid. It's <laughs> um, true. But yeah, and then going down to London is always fun to sort of, make references to the fact that I'm a bit of a country bumpkin and just sort yeah, of bring yeah. that into it. But yeah, I'll adapt. I'll adapt to sort of where I am. But it's more like the venue, the venue or the room or the, like, you know, some, something I've seen driving in. It's always fun to sort of bring that into it because at least the crowd then have a bit of a point of mm. reference before you go on talking about, you know, whatever it is you got to rant about that day. <laughs> How long have you been going for? Just over four years just now. Just over four years. Yeah. So you're sort of halfway to... Where you'd want to be. Or you, you, oh, you, is it an eight-year? It's apparently, yeah. I've heard, it's a t- I've heard of somebody say it's a 10-year apprenticeship. I mean, I said to myself recently, because I never, I never got into it with the express intention of like doing it as a job. Yeah. I just really enjoyed just going along and having a night where in the week where I just do something completely random and yeah. do stand-up. So that was my, the initial attraction for me. And then I got into like, actually, I really enjoy doing this and it would be fun to do it a lot more mm. and, you know, get money for it. But I've been doing it four years now unpaid and at not one point have I gone, oh, I'm just going to pack it in. Yeah. Like you'll get a two hour drive to Ipswich on a school night and I have no qualms doing it. Like you try and get me to drive two hours anywhere for anything else. I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, but yeah, to yeah. get 10 minutes on stage in a you know like different place. in a different place yeah. I don't know what it is so in terms of the longevity like it'd be, it'd be nice to think that in four years time I'd be a bit further money, on from, yeah. from where I am now making a bit of money for it or even doing it as a job that would be fun I always like the idea of writing as a job yeah. so actually comedy writing and is that something you, you wanted to do younger I'd never ever been a literary person really uh, until probably doing philosophy kind of helps I guess philosophy I mean that forced you to it forced me to read and yeah. I've never read as a kid yeah. I remember crying once when I was about nine my stepdad bought me a book he bought me The Magnificent Seven and was like oh this was one of my favourite books at your age and I cried I was like I don't want this yeah. like, I'm not going to read it and it was just like I, I, I hated any idea of yeah. working or writing or reading and then doing philosophy I enjoyed the subject so much that you have to read it's yeah, just, of course, you yeah. obviously have to and then going to uni and I was like well why don't I try books that aren't philosophy books because they're quite heavy and then picked up <laughs> a few fiction you know fiction stuff and then 
you start reading stuff like Tom Sharp and you can do comedy writing. And I'm like, then I was actually quite interested in like reading scripts from stand up or comedy that I really like. Yeah, yeah. So um, my stepdad bought me the uh, Monty Python Flying Circus oh, wow. like, script book. And that is just like reading, like watching it on, on the telly is surreal, but reading it as a script, like somebody wrote down, sat down and thought of all this and wrote it down and made it coherent. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's really impressive. So that's, the writing element really interested me only sort of maybe a year into it because yeah. I was just interested in just talking about stories, just telling a story on stage rather than actually working on, you know, material. But um, I did a uh, a bit of work experience when I left uni in comedy production so yeah. down in London. Okay. It was on paid. It, it lasted about sort of three months. And there I actually got to read through like sort of industry standard scripts and actually help write for stuff as well. So, you know, they needed, I think we were doing a promotional video for this, um, this new taxi app that was coming out oh, okay. and, uh, they needed material writing about taxi cabs. So I wrote eight jokes about, this was basically, they were getting comedians in to do material, but they needed backup stuff. And they were like, we need somebody to write some stuff. Mm. And I was like, well, I do stand up. Can I have a go? I wrote like eight jokes through it. And they used about four of them. And it was oh, nice, wow. like being able to see, like, actually this could work, like actually writing it and doing it. So definitely i'd like to being four years in i've said to myself especially now looking at the age i'm at like 25 this is like a prime time for me to go at it and have a go so i've said to myself give myself to like 20 29 almost like give myself five years or four years five years yeah to properly have a go at it because now i've done it for four years you're kind of knocking off all the little bad habits that you would start doing yeah so yeah it's um It'd be interesting to see where it'll go, but at the moment, I'm just enjoying doing it. Like, yeah, that's the best thing to do. Yeah. yeah. If you could have given yourself one bit of advice when you first started doing stand-up comedy, what would have it been? If I could give myself one piece of advice, it'd be don't, do not worry about get, not getting a laugh. Like, I was so obsessed with the like. I'd, if I didn't, if a gig went badly, or I would, I would be have like, almost like a. a photographic memory of the the gig itself and what bits would go well and what bits didn't and obsessing over the bits that didn't and some nights they just didn't land and I was so obsessed with why it didn't I needed like an answer and it would make me then next time I did that material almost overdo it or put too much and it was just trying to to really nail it every time and that's not the case. You almost have to sort of just like walking through brambles. You just got to keep going. There's no point in going, why did this prick me? You know, let just keep walking through it. And it was, I think if I had to give myself some piece of advice now for when I just started, it would be just don't worry about that. Just keep doing it. Keep don't talking. stage a hundred times until you get it right. Just keep talking. And like, yeah. also when I first started, I rushed like everyone does. I was rushing so like being over and it's taken me a while to appreciate this I don't know if you found this the like the the weight that a pause can have like the physical weight on a crowd like when you pause and you take a moment and it really there's so much to be gained from that from just having a bit of moment of silence and then going into your next stuff because some comedians will just go hammer 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 and it works and it's fine because that's their style but sometimes it can really just take away from the actual effect of the joke. Yeah, if you don't pause for your laughs, then then you're losing laughs. Pausing, in, pausing for your laugh, and then pausing just to build a bit of tension. Yeah, like I'd write, yeah. write down the joke, and I'm like, right, let's just get it done. Let's just say it. So I think definitely like not obsessing about not getting laughs and just taking more time to sort of 
get through your material. You know, having faith, having faith in what you're writing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Giving yourself giving yourself a bit more sort of credit in a way to say that you you know you what you're writing is dynamite yeah don't don't worry that if it doesn't work the first time because this world is so different yeah like wherever you go it's so different there's it, no there's, there's, try and please everyone you'll please no one there's, so. yeah and it's I think it was like the Bill Hicks quote where he's like I'd rather split a room than get or I'd rather make it was, was it shoot for the top 10% in the room so if you write a joke that you think only 10% are going to get still do it because you'd rather 10 people really enjoy a joke than 50% of the people kind of enjoy your set yeah. and I like that idea and that was something when I read that I was like okay maybe he's got a point just do what you want to do and it will work out in the end you're never going to please everyone you know and I mean particularly where we are at our stage of like comedy and stuff like obviously you know you're not you're not getting your audience so you're the people coming to the gigs are mm. a mixed bill of audiences yeah. you know they're not they're a mixed bit of people who they're gonna you know like certain comedians and and they're they're already divided anyway mm. before you've even got up and done five ten twenty minutes yeah yeah yeah. so until you get like your audience coming to your gig and they are the ones that love your comedy and you get to a point eventually hopefully that anything you ever say is always going to go down well because they love you i mean that's you know? true i think it was uh yeah it's it's like a bit there's almost like um it's not cheating almost, but it does feel like when you get, a, you can see some crowds on telly when they're watching, you know, or someone special mm. and it's just constant, constant, constant laughing because they love that character or they love that act or they love yeah, that yeah. certain person. But it's, it is fun now because majority of the comedy that I watch is when I'm at a gig. Like yeah, that's true. You know, and you see people really struggling to try to get a room around and you can appreciate that a lot more because someone's just turned up at a pub they've never or a venue they've never been to a town they've never been to and they're killing it I'm always like okay that's really impressive then you know you watch someone special and you go okay like they're funny like I'm enjoying it but the crowd are there purely because they love that person or their style of comedy so yeah, yeah it's very different yeah definitely what does the rest of this year hold for you man what, what are your plans I have no idea right. <laughs> great that was great that question done um, I think I want to be a bit more smart about moving around the country a bit more yeah because i'm very east anglia centric and cambridge and mm. mostly um i'll get down to london now and again but you know ipswich as well we'll get over to there or you know little towns around here i want to get just travel a bit more with it just to experience different crowds yeah um but yeah definitely gig a lot more and start you know just turning over writing almost you know getting a high turnover rate mm. with just stuff i'm doing on stage and mixing it up a little bit because now like you know four years in I've definitely got the no I can do it and I've got the, st the stage presence being comfortable on stage down it's now just working out how to put a, you know a good 10-15 minutes together that's solid enough to take to potentially a club or you know like a, a sort of an established comedy venue rather than you know um, sort of nights where you'll be doing new material or whatever actually getting on a night where you know there's a big expectation that you're a good professional comedian almost you start getting hopefully get start getting paid for it um, that would be nice that would be really yeah, nice yeah. you know but like I said if I I'm more up for getting the opportunities than I am you know I've got a job yeah, I yeah. enjoy my job I mean it is a lot to do the job and stand up it's sometimes tough, yeah. but if I can get paid doing stand up and that would be brilliant yeah definitely have you been to Edinburgh yet? I've been once yeah yeah so I went with the Comedy Society when I was in uni, so in fourth year. 
so we went to we did the, we did the fringe and then sort of in march that same year so earlier on we did the student comedy festival there yeah um which is that was really good fun um and then the fringe we had a 10 night run of sort of a just a variety stand-up show and that was brilliant that was i mean it was the proper fringe experience like two people one day three people the next and the next room the room was sold out so it was kind of but being able to do seven nights in a row was really nice because especially at that stage i've been doing it maybe a year and a half stand up so it was nice then to just have like a lot of uh, repetition of my material and get into used to Mm. it where I didn't feel I needed to go over it before my gig so I could be relaxed going up on stage and I think that was the first time I felt properly relaxed doing an Edinburgh show but they're such fun and the the vibe of Edinburgh as well like it's it's just and we were above a sports bar and (laughs) that particular week there were I think three or four massive games of uh, Scottish League football oh okay and our show started at around 4.30. So as the game, the midday games were finishing, so you'd get these like Hibernian fans walking up stage, walking up to, you know, pissed up after the game, coming up to watch you do, you know, five <laughs> students do stand up and yeah, talking yeah. about all their I mean, irreverent, you know, anxieties and all that sort of stuff. And it was just a very odd environment, but I absolutely loved it. Yeah. And just, you know, the whole vibe of Edinburgh so much fun I'd like to get mm. back up there I'm not doing it this year but um, definitely I'd like to get back up there at some point and so you just really want to be doing comedy more often you just want to be on stage a lot more regularly yeah I mean there's no immediate goals to like sort of do something in particular I would like to start actually doing and being booked for 15 to 20 minute slots because I like the scope of having that extra time like I've done a few 15 minutes and it's been fun to just pick up an idea and put it down and then talk about something else and then because in 10 minutes uh, five minutes like you've got no time you've just got to get your jokes out 10 minutes you've got a bit more time to have fun with it but 15 you have that sort of the, the range to sort of eke something out or work yeah. out an idea or you know so I'd like to definitely get to the stage where I'm doing longer sets um, so I, th- I think so what you're saying you just you just want to expand your set really and yeah. just and get and maybe get like an hour behind you or something that would be amazing I mean to do that I'm, the thought of having a show like an hour long show and having some sort of structure behind it is quite fun because I like writing in layers so there's stuff leading into you know yeah. a different bit or you know there's a subtext or a general theme and you know long form comedy especially in like the hour specials really you know it's something that really interests me especially from a writing perspective because there's so much you can do and you know even if you've got an hour worth of material how you put it together you know the and all that sort of stuff is something that i'd definitely like to try at some point so yeah just just getting the volume of, of stuff going definitely do it man yeah you need to be a bit more ambitious with yourself man. have some faith <laughs> you don't have to keep doing five minute sets i mean yeah i do need to get out of that habit i think yeah. definitely but it's it's, it's, it's a good th- to try new materials it's good to try new yeah. material yeah definitely but um yeah, push myself a bit further to do it. But the next time we get you on at my night, man, I'll get you on for 20 minutes and oh, see how wow. that goes. Look at that. <laughs> That's how easy it is, mate. That's how easy it is. Yeah. You just got to ask, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man, thanks for joining me. No, thank you for having me. It's been good fun. Really enjoyed it. One amazing conversation I had with Paul. His modesty really did take me by surprise because having seen him perform numerous times, it's really hard to believe that he isn't headlining shows regularly or doing 20-minute sets on a daily basis. 
I was certainly given the opportunity to do a longer set at my night at the Bridge Comedy Club because I'm sure he will go down a storm. Having said that, it's amazing to see that he, he's just purely doing it for the love of performing and being creative. I just can't help but feel that there's this whole treasure chest of opportunity and, and rewards that he hasn't even discovered yet, but I really look forward to seeing him find it. If you're enjoying listening to this podcast as much as I'm enjoying doing it, then please do subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to it. And if you'd like to send me some of your hard-earned cash to keep this podcast going, then run over to lukeantonycomedy.co.uk forward slash podcast and hit the donate button. Any donations really appreciated and it really, really does help. Thank you. See you again soon. Hello, I'm Luke Anthony. Do you love hearing about the stars, careers, lives and mental health? On Meet the Stars is a brand new podcast all about that. Join me every week from Wednesday the 2nd of December for an excellent conversation with a different star each episode. Simply go over to members.starevents.online to become a member which gives you exclusive access to every episode and so many other brilliant features just for you. See you there.